Welcome to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. I'm Josh Elledge, founder and CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities, grow their authority, and help them build partnerships with top influencers. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show, where I'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspiration podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. All right. And with us right now, we've got Isar Matis, uh, a fellow Orlandian. Uh, I think it's what we refer to each other as. Uh, Fair enough. You're, you're a serial entrepreneur. You're the host of the E-Tribe podcast and blog. You're found on the web at theetribe.com. And uh, Isar, kind of your claim to fame, uh, you were the president of a very, very large uh, e-com company that ultimately was sold for a billion dollars. <laughs> no, I wish, I wish, but uh, I, I, first of all, I, I wasn't, it's a big company. I was just a small screw in that bigger organization. Sure. Uh, and we sold for, let's say, an undisclosed amount of money, but we did do a billion dollar in revenue in our last year. Of, oh, oh, okay. Of okay. Th- thank you for, I, I thank you for the uh, point of clarification. Um, so uh, now, uh, before that, um, you were actually in the uh, you were the air in the, in the Israeli Air Force. That's true. I so flew F-16s tell me what that. that experience was like. It was fantastic. Uh, it's listen. It's it's incredibly fun, but it's also an amazing school for life because so many skills you learn there translate directly to the business world. If it's making decisions on not complete information, but getting it right most of the time. If it's sticking up with your goals and never giving up because over there, it's, it's a life and death situation, right? And in many cases, it's just, not just yours, but there's a whole country depending on you being successful. And if it is planning and execution, uh, if it's working with teams to create a perfect plan so the operation can happen. So there's so many things that translate uh, directly to the business world. Maybe the biggest one that I still use every single day is debriefing. I debrief everything that I do, and it's something I picked up at the Air Force. Explain, explain what debriefing is. So one of the most unnatural things for people to do is to admit their mistakes to themselves or to other people. And what you do in the Air Force is you do that every day. After every single sortie, you sit down with the people you've flown with and say, okay, this is what I've done wrong. And I do this today about everything. I do this when I park. I do this when I catch my, teach my kid to swim. I do this when I put a post out there and I want to see how he did and what he did right and wrong. And my sales funnel and my business relationships, I debrief everything that I do. Um, but in order to do that, some people say, well, no, you're, you're focusing on the negative or, you know, I'm just going to get depressed if I keep focusing upon my failure or, you know, people are afraid to fail. So I think every business, especially startups, and I'm a startup kind of guy has to fail as long as you learn from your mistakes and the next time you do it better. And so to me, a business that doesn't try to find what it did wrong cannot improve. If you can improve by definition, uh, continuously improve, 
by definition, you will be running faster than somebody who doesn't and grow faster and your, your growth will accelerate at a faster pace than anybody else's. Post, uh, after the Israeli Air Force, you were the uh, director of business development, uh, and then eventually you founded PeoplePost, uh, and, and you're the co-founder and CEO of PeoplePost. What was, what was PeoplePost? So PeoplePost was a brilliant idea with uh, maybe too early to its time, but the idea mm. was that people recommend to other people to buy stuff. Until to this day, if you look up the statistics, about 60 to 75% of the decisions we make to buy stuff is dependent on recommendations we get from people we trust. Mm -hmm. So whether it's buying a book, watching a movie, buying a new car, getting a camera, you always have your go-to guy that you're like, hey, Josh, hey, John, hey, Mary, what do you recommend I do about this and that? And in many cases, you follow the recommendation. And yet, there's companies spending billions of dollars on very low conversion online, not compensating the people who are the biggest contributors to the sale. So that was PeoplePost. PeoplePost was basically creating anybody could be his own little affiliate network. And wow. anything you recommend to people, you get a cut from whoever makes the widget, the device, the service, whatever it is that got sold. So that was PeoplePost. Yeah. Uh, you found your way uh, over to Torico Holidays, uh, which then became Hotel Beds, and you were the uh, president and head of e-com. Um, so what, what sort of responsibilities did you have? Uh, and again, you started back in 2012. Yeah. Um, uh, so what was the, how did the travel industry evolve in, that, in those uh, seven, eight years? It evolved a lot. So first of all, you started with my responsibilities. So what I was really doing, I was running, if you want, my own little startup company within a much, much bigger organization. Mm. So I was running everything e-commerce and B2C. So all the consumer facing. So if you, if you ever bought anything, travel, obviously, on last minute travel or last minute travel club or easy click travel or even Sam's club travel for two and a half years, because we were building a lot of white label platforms. Mm -hmm. I was the guy running that team that was doing all of that from technology, business development, sales, connectivity in the back end, integrations, call center, uh, all of that was, was my department, if you want. Uh, we did about $100, millions, $100 million a year. And, and again, within the company, it's a billion dollar company. So I was always the guy that was making too much noise and not bringing enough revenue. <laughs> so that was... <laughs> that was uh, my role in the company. As far as the travel industry, it changed dramatically because most people don't know that there's zero competition in the travel industry today. So Expedia owns half the websites you know. Uh, Booking.com, uh, previously it was called uh, Priceline Holdings, but Booking, uh, now Booking Holdings uh, holds the other half, including the quote-unquote uh, comparison engines. So mm -hmm. Kayak, uh, Trivago, all of those, they own everything. So there's really no competition today out there. And yet people think they're smart shoppers and they found a good deal and so on. So it evolved a lot. So it's, there's a lot of happening in the back end on trying to recreate competition in that industry because it's, it's practically gone. So... Uh <laughs> so it, if, if, you know, just a handful of companies control that much market, you know, that much percentage of the marketplace, uh, it doesn't sound like a good thing. 
it's not a good thing. It's a very bad thing. And it's very bad thing for competition. It's very bad thing for the travelers. It's a really bad thing for the people who actually operate travel. So, you know, the airlines, the hotels, because they're under a huge pressure from these giants that control most of their traffic. So yeah. it's, it's definitely not a good situation. And again, there's, there's a lot of pressure from every direction. And behind the scenes, there's a whole global war going on. <laughs> but, but it is the current situation. It's the hotels are trying to pull away from uh, all the online travel agencies as much as they can. These are obviously yeah. not letting go very quickly. And so I, I don't know how that's going to end. And then you have COVID, right? So now nobody's selling anything, which makes it even worse. Yeah. Yeah. How do you see the travel industry evolving over the next year or two? Can I throw F-bombs on your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> because that's the uh, podcast editor. Get ready to bleep something yeah, out. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I, I uh, listen, I, I, I again, I, I consult to several travel startups. Yeah. I sit on boards. Uh, I mentor different people in the industry. I have a lot of friends in the industry. I, again, I've been in that industry for many years. Uh, it's, it's in really bad shape. And until they find a solid vaccination for this, I don't see this turning around. So things are opening up slowly and they're cleaning and they're, it's, it can't scale back to anything close to what it was before, before right. people will feel personally safe to travel and not taking any risks. And it's a big problem. It's in Florida, it's a huge problem because we have an yeah. older population. We have a lot of cruise population. Nobody goes on cruise ships and, and yeah. won't in the near future. So yeah, that industry is in, in a bad shape right now. Are there any bright spots in the future for travel? So again, you know, I'm a startup guy and I, and I help a few startups right now. And I think for startups, it's an amazing opportunity. It's an amazing mm -hmm. opportunity because a lot of these startups bring value like a twist to the normal way of business. That's why right. they are a startup company and they're doing something a little differently that helps bigger companies that move slowly and can't react, maybe figure out things that they couldn't have figured out before. So a few companies that I know are now figured out a way on how to sell future vouchers. They're selling it at a big discount, but you're buying a week at the Hilton, a five-star resort somewhere, for half the money for some time in the future. So hmm. Hilton is at least making some money. Uh, and so there's a lot of these little tricks that people try to find in order to sell travel without really having you, forcing you to travel right now or having you pay less or having through financing tricks to help you finance the trip because you might be unemployed. So not you, Josh, but you as a listener to this podcast and you can't afford the travel. So they will figure out a way to help you pay for the travel. So there's a lot of startup ideas on how to help the travel industry. I wouldn't say thrive, but at least survive in this crazy time. Yeah, yeah. All right, so where are you and what happens when the acquisition takes place? The big acquisition for an undisclosed yes. amount. <laughs> yes, for an undisclosed amount. So I... Now, the, the acquisition actually merged three different giant companies together. So the, the three largest travel companies in, in the wholesale world merged into wow. one, which is never a fun uh, process. A lot, a lot of learning, right? So I learned a lot from the process, but I was, so there's three of everything now, right? So there's three of, of me and the stuff that I bring to the table. There was a very long process of selection and then they selected us. So myself and my team to lead because they 
found that what we did is, is has the most, the highest chances of success. We built a very, very interesting environment. So an ecosystem that kind of integrated business development and marketing and AI and business intelligence and the actual platform itself into one seamless solution that was a white label. So any client could say, oh, I want to get into travel company. I'll give you an example. We had a lot of employee benefits partners. So Mm -hmm. I provide employee benefits. I want to be able to offer travel, but I'm not a travel company, an employee benefits company. Two clicks of a button. It's under your brand, in your website, with your color codes and your logo and your name. And we answer the phone on your behalf, like the whole solution, whatever you wanted. So you can kind of like tick the boxes of what part of the solution you wanted. And the next day you could be up and running. So that's what we developed. We got selected, but I couldn't stand the really large corporate mentality yeah. and, and the slow so, processes, and I left. So you're not connected with... So Hotel Beds, is that the name of the, the major uh, The new joint company, correct. Yeah. So you're not connected with them right now, right? I left two years... Uh, yeah, uh, well, it, a year ago. Listen, okay. So I'm just on their website right now. And, and again, you can just like... You don't have to say anything, but I'm kind of clicking around their website and I'm finding on this otherwise big company, like I'm finding like broken links, errors on their website. The Drupal low icon is their, is their fave icon. Like as a web developer, I'm like seeing all these, <laughs> like these really unpolished, that's pretty surprising. Again, so, you don't have to say anything. I don't want you to put you in an uncomfortable situation, but weird that's just remember very unusual when they're companies yeah also b2b company their focus is a little different but yes i agree with you it should not be there regardless yeah 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 i'm sorry i don't mean to point that out but it's you know and again sometimes now listen to this you know when wholesale b so when people we run into this all the time you sell b2b or especially i see this a lot with b2g so these government contractors, they think that their branding doesn't matter because it's just all about, you know, being the lowest bidder or whatever. Yeah. Um, I hate to tell you this, but everybody is a consumer. Of it doesn't course. matter who oh, you sell course. to. You're being judged mercilessly on, yeah, sometimes it's some pretty superficial stuff. A broken link on your webpage, does it mean that you're not a good good at what you do? No but it just communicates something. Uh, and that's, that's anyway, so it's just a little word of wisdom to all my B2G and B2B friends that might be listening. Um, so Ismar, uh, you know, you, you take the exit. Um, and, and so obviously, you know, you've got so much to offer. Um, immediately, kind of like me, uh, you look for opportunities to give back. And can you kind of explain what you do today? Yes. So really today, I am in the business of helping other entrepreneurs and startup be successful. I bring to the table, you know, 20 years of experience in three different industries, if you want, and, and in startups and growing and scaling companies and, and all aspects of it, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a geek. I'll admit that. I love <laughs> technology. I love putting systems together and integration I love working with people. You can see this by how I talk. I love the interaction with other people. And I love, I love building stuff and making, making it successful. So I do this today in several different aspects. You know, I, I mentor a few 
people, individuals in senior positions in companies. I sit on several different boards. I invest in a few small businesses. And, and so this is what I do. And really the, the, the blog and the podcast, the E-Tribe, was born organically with people approaching me and asking me questions and asking me, how do I do this and how do I do that? I'm like, you know what? There's stuff that I know that I'm very good at, but there's so many other people out there that are so much better than me in specific mm-hmm. aspects of it. So for me, bringing over and interviewing people who are either successful entrepreneurs who share their stories and challenges or bringing over experts that are really top of the line experts in lead generation, marketing, management, leadership, HR, hiring, you know, all the aspects of a business is a way for me to serve an audience that has those needs. So it serves two purposes. First of all, it helps me help more people because I can do the one-on-one like I'm doing with you with X number of companies and then I run out of time. But the second thing, it really opens the door to so many opportunities because people, you know, and I'm sure you get that as well. People see me as the facilitator of that. They understand the depth of knowledge and the experience. Uh, and, and then they approach me. I, I, and again, you know that better than I do. I don't sell to anybody. I don't. I, I really enjoy what I do. I love what I'm doing. I love talking to people. I love you know, interviewing people that are smart, that are successful, that bring a lot of value to the table. And the mm-hmm. rest just happens. So um, as, you know, again, in business, you know, someone might say, well, what is your, what's your business model then? I, I mean, so, and, and this is the thing, the power of networking and, and networking with amazing people, you, you can't help but stumble into opportunities. So if you're an investor, there's certainly always lots of opportunities, but the partnerships or the the opportunities for partnerships and collaborations and, oh, you know what? You do this. I know someone who would be perfect that you should chat with making introductions that lead to great stuff. Uh, When you're hiding out behind your computer and you're not circulating I, I feel like that's when you stagnate in business. And instead, someone might be just saying, well, yeah, but to make money, we need customers. So I'm just going to advertise and try and attract our customers that way. I mean, that's one way to do it. I don't have a lot of success or experience with that. But what I find is that the, the business development side of, of growing a company, I, I love I love that so much and, and working out ways that, that you can bring value and, and partner and you know, collaborate in a win-win with people and do joint ventures together. Um, man, I love that so much better than just selling, 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 selling. I Absolutely. hate selling. <laughs> no, I, and, and I think you say that yourself on so many times on your podcast is people hate being sold to. Yeah. It's not just you hate selling. People don't like being sold to. They want value. They want collaboration. They want somebody walking the walk with them and not just, oh, do this, pay me $3,000. Uh, and, and so I think it works better because both sides are, are, are gaining more. But I want to touch on something that you said because I say it all the time and I agree with you 100%. The number one currency of our era is networking, period. Wow. You cannot gain more 
well, tech. Okay, if you develop the right technology, it helps a lot. But again, the tech itself without the networking aspect of it is not going to go uh, nearly as far as it can go with knowing the right people, meeting the right audiences, having access, like you said, to uh, the right level of expertise, not from you, but from people you know. So I agree with you 100%. Yeah. You know, you recently, do you, do you have a few more minutes, Isar, or do yeah, you have a hard stop? I'm, I'm okay, yours. Cool. I enjoy um, this a lot. <laughs> you, you recently uh, did a blog post and you talked about the big lie in business. And, uh, you know, some businesses say that they failed because they ran out of money. Uh, that, that's not the reason that, that, that there's the problem. That running out of money, that's, that's that's a uh, 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 that's uh, what, what, what am I thinking? An outcome, an outcome. right? That yeah, that's uh, you know, it's a symptom of a problem. And so, if you're a small business, in your experiences, you've done a lot of mentoring with small business owners. Where have you seen the biggest mistakes or problems that that businesses don't address early enough? First of all, I'll say something funny. Uh, <laughs> a lot, no, I'm serious. I, when I recorded that episode, I did it out of passion because I was really frustrated. I was actually working on a different article. Uh, and I never thought it's going to go really far. You know, those it's, you, you do some things just because you want to do them. You're not doing them because the market research shows. And so many people go back to that one and saying, oh, you know, you touched on so many amazing points. So it's really funny to me because, you know, you do a lot of these market research and SEOs and what I should talk mm -hmm. about. And then one thing you just did because it was burning in your guts and then this one catches fire. But to answer your question, as far as what do small businesses do as far as mistakes and so on, I see two major things when I talk to small businesses in the early stages that are the biggest problems with, with small businesses. One is they do not think like a CEO of a company. And it doesn't matter what they do. You could be mowing grass. You could be a plumber. You could be selling widgets online. You could be developing courses. If you think yourself of this is what I'm doing, I'm a, I'm, I have a lawnmower, I'm going to mow lawn. Or I, I'm a plumber. That's what I do. No. If you think that you are a CEO of a plumbing company, it means there are other aspects of the business yeah. beyond plumbing. You need marketing. You need networking. You need a list of customers. You need to engage with them. You need a CRM. You need tools. You need scheduling. You need all these things other than just being a plumber. If you think you're a plumber, you're going to be a plumber. And no offense to, to plumbers. Some, I know some phenomenal plumbers. If somebody in the Orlando area needs one, please give me a call. But, <laughs> but, but, but you're never going to grow your business. So that's problem number one. You got to think broader. You got to think what a business needs in order to grow. Problem number two that is interconnected with this problem is automation tools and systems. Because a lot of small businesses are focused on something very, very specific they're good at, they're kind of winging everything else. So you and I know that putting together the right tool set, the right framework, ecosystem, call it whatever you want to call it, of digital tools that can help you with all the other stuff that you don't want to deal with and you're not good at 
and that from your perspective is wasting time can tremendously help you grow the business. Now, the problem is time, right? So people saying, oh, I got to go and do the next thing because otherwise I don't have money to pay the bills and I, and I need to close down the office or lose my house or whatever the case may be. So they never make time to set up the right infrastructure that a company needs to have. And they grow, but they get to a point, I'm now actually talking to a company, I'm not going to mention it, we haven't signed anything, but they finally started growing after fighting through the trenches for years. And now they're finally scanning, like, we don't have a clue how to do this. Like the Excel doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, but you, you got to have some systems in place. So that's, that's something I'm very, very passionate about that, again, I know you are as well, of putting together an infrastructure of systems and procedures that takes an effort to put up once. But once it's there, it's magical how yeah. fast you can grow your business, how fast you can grow your database, how more engaged your clients become. So they come to you more than they go to the other people. And, but, but it requires that mindset, that understanding that this brings value to the business. And I'll say something more extreme. Without it, you cannot scale the business beyond a certain point. Impossible. Yeah, we're in that uh, position right now where, you know, uh, you know we've, we've had great systems run our PR services. And, you know, once in a while, you know, in business, you'll, you'll stumble upon a great idea. You know, something will come out of R&D. A client will ask for something. <laughs> That's yes. where all of our best ideas come from is a client asks sure. for something or something was born out of necessity. And so, you know, what I've mentioned before we uh, started talking that, uh, you know, our sales systems that we build for B2B companies, we're selling, I'd say, eight to one right now over our PR services because it works so well. But so sometimes that presents a problem. You know, when a company is like, whoa, wait a minute, you can grow too fast. And if you don't have the systems to support that, that can cause a lot of sleepless nights. And so right now, thankfully, we got some good people that are solving these problems. (laughs) But, you know, I think, you know, we're in that situation where everybody starts incredibly inefficiently. And, uh, you know, everything is inefficient in the beginning. And then you say, okay, well, in order for us to truly scale to where we want to go and where the opportunity seems to be, we got to we got to really get this figured out. And so, you know, we're running into that experience of kind of transforming from an agency to a platform in our case, because if we exist as an agency, we're entirely not scalable. Like yep. I can't get to eight figures that way. Yep. Uh, but as a platform, oh, we sure can. Absolutely. Because sure. that just supports more people. No, absolutely. So that Listen, sounds like I, I that's think- you... You have you're you're very cognizant of those evolutions for startups. Absolutely, and I think it's it's uh, when you say inefficiently, I think you're touching the right point. But I think that's the outcome. I think mm-hmm. businesses when they start, they focus very much on what they know, what they're good at, and they don't do all the other stuff. So you were good at PR, you were doing PR, and you were doing great. You know, you, you were getting clients, you, you were helping them grow, you were achieving results for them, but you can support X number of clients and that's it. 
And from that moment on, scale becomes very problematic because it means adding people and secretaries and room and recording rooms. And so the cost of scaling becomes immense and the risk grows with it. But if you have an infrastructure in place that somehow streamlines a lot of the process and you're like, huh, I can not go crazy with additional resources that cost a lot of time and cost a lot of money and still scale my business dramatically because the right systems are in place, the right procedures are in place. And now, like you're saying, now I'm becoming a platform for the service that I provide. I'm not just a service. I'm a platform that allows people to access that service. Whole different ballgame because the tools for that today are incredible in their capabilities and stupidly cheap. I'm running today. Again, I started, I'll I'll say that stupidly. I started the E-Tribe with the mindset of a $100 million company. So like, okay, you got to have a CRM. You got to have customer service. You got to have a website. You got to have social media. You got to have, I'm like, Oh, but, but now it's me. <laughs> there is no team of 20 people. There is no unlimited budgets. It's me. And then you try to figure out how do you structure everything you had before because that mindset of, okay, I'm running a company. I'm not running me is there. And you try to look for best, in, best of breed. And the systems today are absolutely amazing. I'm running today everything a business did, everything from lead generation, lead capturing, website, social media, marketing automations, debriefing, AI, whatever you want for less than $100 a month. Mm -hmm. That's free. That's literally free. Now, did it take me a while to get there? Yes, absolutely. I, I grinded a lot of nights in order to get to that situation. But now I have a system in place that works, that helps me run a business, run a company, without having to have another 10 people doing all these other tasks, which would have cost me half a million dollars. Yeah. You've got, uh, you know, on your site, you've got a lot of, you talk a lot about tools. Um, So I I just kind of give, again, you could follow along. You go to theetribe.com. Your your podcast is there. Um, You've got a lot of content around starting your business, growth hacking, business tips, um, but you have a pretty, um, you're pretty in-depth tool guide here, which people love tools <laughs> and people love tool recommendations. That's got to be one of your most valuable content is, uh, is your, uh, your, your list of like all the tools and, and resources that we love. People love tool recommendations. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I do, uh, what I will do for, for your audience, because I think it's, it's very, very relevant to the discussion that we had. I'll create a landing page. It will be theetribe.com forward slash up for up your influence. So it will be easy, easy and short for people to remember who are listening while driving their cars, doing their jog, whatever they're doing. So theetribe.com forward slash up. And I will put a lot of these resources over there uh, on all the tools, cheat sheets that I have, how to connect with me. People want to find me on LinkedIn or, or connect with me directly, whatever the case may be. Uh, some of our top articles that talk specifically about tools and lead generation and things like that. Uh, and again, these are not me. These are just really incredible experts that provide value on these things, yeah. uh, whether it's on how to structure video correctly or how to do lead generation or how to these kind of things. And again, there's a lot of other articles, but because our focus on the call today was this, I will connect these kind of 
articles. We have everything on one page. You won't have to go and spend hours in browsing my website. I appreciate it. All right. And your podcast is The E-Tribe. That's E-Tribe. You can find that in wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can for sure go ahead and find Esar's podcast there. So uh, Esar Metis, again, serial entrepreneur, host of the E-Tribe podcast and blog on the web at the etribe.com slash go. Thank you for that resource guide. Slash Isar, thank you so much for everything. What a great conversation. I, I loved it. It was fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag UpMyInfluence. Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement.